when I sent my people to kill your people for killing my people, you killed more of my people. Not cool. Not cool. From This American Life and WBEZ Chicago, it's Serial. One story told week by week. I'm Nathan Koenig. For the last year, I've spent every waking second trying to figure out who Negan killed with his baseball bat in the bullshit finale episode of season six of AMC's The Walking Dead, or if you want to get technical about it, and apparently I do, I've spent the last year wanting to find Greg Nicotero himself and rip his throat out of his neck. This search sometimes feels undignified on my part. I've had to research on spoiler websites, talk with my barista at the local coffee shop, my bartender on Friday afternoon. Don't ask, it was a rough day. I've dug into my own internal psyche. I've questioned whether I even care about this goddamn show anymore. And I'm no critic, or someone who even leaves reviews on Yelp. But tonight's show confirmed one thing for all of us. You may like the show now, you may enjoy the story when it gets rowdy, and you might be a fan. But the day will come when you won't be. Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 286, recorded on Monday, October the 24th, 2016. And I have to say a huge thank you to Nathan Koenig for sending in uh, for sending in that title read that we played off the top there. That was amazing. That was fucking awesome. And obviously a parody. So serial, please don't sue us or Nathan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, really great. Uh, we have some more title reads that we will play in a few minutes, uh, but that one I thought was was awesome. So I thought I'd play it right up off the top. Hopefully nobody was too confused there, but it. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it uh, it was pretty obvious pretty fast what was going on, I thought. Yeah. All right, Jason, here we are, man. Another season premiere episode for this podcast. We are going into season seven. Seven. We've, we've been around for eight years or whatever doing this thing. And, yeah, it's exciting. I'm, I'm glad to be back. Uh, it's fun covering fear, and it's fun to have a little time off in between shows, which feels like we just don't anymore. But, uh my favorite time of the year is, uh, at least in regards to the podcast, is when the season starts up again and we can get right back into it. It's podcast podcast Christmas for us, Christopher. It's exactly what it is. It feels it just feels exciting. There's a few things I want to announce or talk about briefly before we get into this episode, and of course, there's plenty to talk about when it comes mm-hmm. to this episode. And I think we've got a jam packed podcast here this week so uh, it should be good um the first thing though is i do just want to remind everyone that my wife and i will be down in atlanta coming this coming weekend uh for walker stalker con atlanta we really hope to see some of you there i will be moderating some panels uh which and the schedule is up on walker stalker con 
facebook.com slash Atlanta now so I can let everyone know that I will be moderating a panel with Chandler Riggs and Denai Guerrera, which will be super fun. Cool, cool. Also, um, uh, Jay Bonansinga, the guy who writes the Walking Dead novels. Uh, his latest novel came out last week, and I'm most of the way through that already. So, Really? Yeah, man. That was fast. I should know I'm going to Audible right now. Yeah, go pick that up on Audible. You and I can talk about it in more detail in the hiatus in December. Uh, but I needed to get on that right away because I have to talk to Jay about that um, on Sunday morning. And I'll be co-moderating Melissa Hutchison, who is, of course, the voice of Ooh. Clementine in the Walking Dead Telltale video games. Say hi for me. I certainly will. It's her birthday today, by the way. Happy, oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Melissa. Uh, you don't look a day over 22. 20, yeah, 22, 23. Maybe. That's about it, right? Maybe at the most, like maximum. I got an advice from a friend one time. Actually, uh, you know, Kyle, uh, who said, uh, somebody asks you their age, uh, always say 25. Okay. Because if you're, if, uh, if you're younger than 25, you want to aspire to look a little older and be more mature. And if you're older than 25, you're, you want to aspire to look younger and uh, be young and healthy. So always guess 25. It's the perfect guess. That's right. All right. Well, I'm way older than 25, so. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look a day over 25, Chris. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. That makes yeah. me feel really good. Okay. Uh, so anyways, Walker Stucker Con Atlanta, we're heading down on Wednesday. Thursday, we're going to tour around a little bit. We're going to visit Sonoy. We are going to try to have dinner at Nick and Norman's, the restaurant down there. Maybe visit, uh, if we can, I want to visit the alley where the dumpster, where Glenn's dumpster was. <laughs> oh, you think there's a like a red rope around it and... Uh... No, I think it's all like cordoned off and it's it become a museum piece now? Well, a little bit. It's not. There's no rope and the dumpster is gone. But someone did draw a chalk outline of Glenn on the ground. Oh, good. So I do want to go see that. I think that'll be fun. Anyways, if you see us down there, say hi. Uh, along those lines, we are doing a podcast listener meetup. This is in conjunction with Jason and Karen from The Walking Dead cast. It's going to be at the Latitudes Bistro and Bar in the Omni Hotel, which is the official Walker Stalker Con hotel for this year. And, you know, if you already have a room in the hotel, then you don't have very far to go. Or if you're local, just come on out and say hi. It is going to be Saturday, October the 29th at 7.30 p.m. So just come and hang out, have a drink and say hi. That'll be awesome. That would be awesome. I'm so jealous. I know. You get to go. You get to go to Sonoy, and if you go for breakfast, you get to have grits again. That was such a good experience, going for breakfast oh, in yeah. Sonoy. When we got there, we got there early, right? Did we? We yeah. had like brunch or something when we went. We did. We had. Uh, yeah, I forget exactly what we ordered, but it was uh, delightful, and it included grits. Yes, it did. So we will be doing that again. It's it is kind of a bummer that you can't make it down, but on the other hand, you have a new child, which is. Not a bummer at all, so. Oh, my God. He's uh, he's the most fun person I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> and he's only eight <laughs> weeks old. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe he's already eight weeks old. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, he's, uh, he's going to probably, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to wake up and tomorrow morning and teach him how to drive. He's getting so big. Oh, dude, it goes fast. Yeah. Anyway. And you have to miss out on things like uh, grits in Sonoy, Georgia, but maybe not next year. We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. All right. So listener meetup. October the 29th at 7.30 p.m. in the Latitudes Bistro and Bar in the Omni Hotel at Walker Stalker Con Atlanta. So be there and say hello, and uh, you are going to be cooler for it. Well, yeah. Of course. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I will not be cooler. I will be at home being less cool. 
Well, you either be there or be square, and I am going to be square at home. All right. Well, again, sometimes you have to be square, Jason. Yeah. Okay. One more thing. Uh, we are starting up the record your favorite scene competition again, uh, but I'm going to have full details after our episode recap this week because, you know, we could talk about that for a while. And I want to get into the episode as soon as we can here. And we had a lot off the top. So uh, make sure you don't turn the podcast off as soon as our recap is done, because there's more to come after that. Um, but I just wanted to remind people right here and right now that it is back on for this year and it's going to be awesome. So, uh, uh, you know, stick around. We'll talk about that in a bit. That's my favorite thing. It is. It's one of my favorite things, too. It's it's yeah. it's really, really awesome. So. All right, man. Um, with all that out of the way for now. It is time to talk about Season 7, Episode 1, and we have some title reads. Here we go. The day will come when you won't be. The day will come when you won't be. The day will come when you won't be. Thank you to Gemma in South Wales, Gareth in Germany, and Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. Hopefully I got that right. All right, well, we're going to recap the crap out of this episode. And we're going to start right now. Do you have the video up in front of you as usual? I have the video up in front of me. This is so exciting. We don't do this format for Fear the Walking Dead, so I'm so happy to have this back. All right, man. Well, the episode opens on Rick's face. He already has some blood on himself. So the scene that we're opening the episode with here is the scene that we talked about on the last podcast that they released early, which I assume you hadn't seen at all yet. I had not seen it. So now I can see the scene uh, that I had not seen. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and, you know, you and I talked about it, but Rick tells Negan that he's going to kill him. Not today, not tomorrow, but he will. And uh, what happens is Negan takes Rick's axe from Simon, who he says mm -hmm. is his right-hand man. So Simon is the guy played by Stephen Ogg, who now has a name, which is exciting. Yes. Uh, having a name is exciting. It is. It means you you get paid more, I think, when as an actor. <laughs> oh, nice. There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought just having a name in general is exciting. Oh, no, you're right. It is good to have a name. But as an actor, as a character, it's good to have a name. Um, He says, Negan says that having a right-hand man is important because it saves you from doing all the work yourself. That's right. It's just, you know, if you don't have a right-hand man, it's just so much work. <laughs> I've got to get myself a right-hand man. Pretty much. Pretty much. So, you know, they talk briefly and Negan drags Rick into the RV and the camera pans down to that pile of bloody goop on the ground. So that there is the is the cold open. And that is the scene that they released a couple of weeks ago that we tried to use to analyze who got the bat. Right. And there was no way to do it. It was just a pulpy mess. It was just like a you pulpy couldn't mess. even tell hair color. You'd think there'd be like a little bit of hair and maybe a tooth or something that you could figure something out in, but no, there was nothing. Oh, people went to town on the internet trying to analyze that pile of blood, though. They thought they saw like wedding rings in there. They thought they saw, yeah, hair, um, all kinds of, of evidence of stuff. But really, there was nothing in there that indicated who yeah. it was. It's really hard to tell who somebody is by looking at their brain smushed out on the ground <laughs> i've tried and it doesn't work <laughs> yeah no i haven't tried very difficult <laughs> that's terrible so we go to the opening credits i noticed jeffrey dean morgan's name is in there now that's exciting it's very exciting kind of means he might be sticking around for a little while i sure hope he does yep 
when we come back, uh, Rick is being thrown into the RV. So we pick up right where we left off at the end of that scene. Negan sticks the hatchet into the table and he gets into the driver's seat. Now, the RV is a piece of crap, so it won't start. And he teases Rick for this saying, or he teases Rick for that. I'm going to kill you line. Right. He doesn't take him seriously one bit. Uh, he gives Rick an opportunity to grab the axe and kill him with it, which Rick goes for. He tries to do it. Of course. Of course. I mean, you might as well take your opportunity. But of course, Negan's ready for this. He jumps up. He's holding a large military rifle and uh, he turns around and knocks Rick down with it. Yeah. Gives him a good uh, butt butting into the into his stomach. Butt end into the stomach. Um, do you know what kind of gun that is? Well, it's an assault rifle of some kind, but I have no idea what kind. Okay. It's a pretty big, mean-looking gun. Well, yeah. I mean, it's fully automatic, uh, as we learn later on. So that's, uh, yeah, it's not a insignificant piece of hardware. No. Okay. And obviously, Negan is ready for this, but he just wants to give Rick a little, a little taste, a little try, maybe, you know? I mean, if yeah. Rick was really fast, maybe he could have done it. If it was a ninja, he would have just jumped out through one of the uh, the vents in the roof and crawled along the roof, jumped down into the front of the uh, the RV, then through the window and, and got him that way. But as we all know, Rick's not a ninja. No, clearly, clearly not a ninja. Yeah. He's fast, uh, but not ninja fast. Not ninja fast, no. All right. Well, Negan tells him to think about what could have happened, what did happen, and what still might happen. That's right. <laughs> he wants Rick to make sure he's got all of his bases covered when it comes to uh, the events that just played out and what may be coming up in the future. I regret, regret, I regret what I did. I regret what I'm doing. And I regret that I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I regret what I'm about to do. Except I don't <laughs> think Negan regrets anything. No, he doesn't. Yeah. That was a Simpsons reference. There you go. So they drive away. And as they're driving away, Rick has a very quick flash of Rosita. He sees Rosita in the lineup and then very quick flashes of past scenes from the show with her. Flashback. A little, a really, really quick flashback. Now, I guess we should mention that they do not reveal who dies at the end of Lucille uh, off the top, as you've probably figured out. And this is what they're going to do. They're going to show us flashes of each character before they show us what actually happened. Now we will get to that. I know people want to know exactly what we think about that, Jason, but we're going through this chronologically. So Rosita's right. the first one. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, ah, oh, they're going to fuck with this for like half an hour. Well, you know what I was thinking? I was, th I said to Christina sitting there, I'm like, she goes, so was it Rosita? I'm like, no, of course it wasn't Rosita. What they're going to do is throughout this episode, they're going to show us flashes of every character and then reveal who it is at the very end. Jerks. I was kind of, <laughs> Yeah, I kind of felt like that too, but I, I was wrong. Luckily, it didn't play out that way. Uh, we get more flashes of characters much quicker. Anyways, Rick and Negan drive. Now they drive somewhere very foggy or smoky. Can't really see what's going on, but the area is full of walkers and he's running running some down as they drive. And I, I like to think of it as more of a metaphysical uh, fog of war kind of thing. I don't know if it was necessarily smoky or foggy or what it was. I think it was just it, everything in this, uh, this episode was Rick's point of view, right? Right. Later on, we see things. Everything's basically from Rick's point of view. We're getting Rick's flashbacks of uh, Rosita right now. So what's happening in... Uh, in this camper is that the outside world does not matter. 
everything is focused within this camper. In his mind, his horror of seeing what he just saw, even though we don't technically know what it is yet. Uh, everything in his entire life is just in this camper, him and Negan and Lucille and that uh, assault rifle that he has in the hatchet. That's everything in his life. So everything outside of that is foggy. Now, so I'd like to think of it that way. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good interpretation. Now they do arrive at that uh, big pile of logs that they set on fire. So there is smoke from the fire. I mean, there's some right. literal smoke, but I think you're inter- I think what you just described is, is uh, absolutely perfect for an interpretation of the scene. Nothing else matters to Rick at that moment. Yeah. Uh, so... Anyways, they, they arrive there. It's it's definitely smoky, at least from Rick's perspective. Uh, the area is full of walkers. Negan opens the door, and he throws the axe out the door and onto the roof of the RV. Yeah, get my axe. Right, and he tells Rick to go get my axe. He says, everything is mine now. This is my axe. It's not your axe anymore, and I want you to go out there and get my axe for me. And then Rick gets up, and he, Negan basically throws him out the door Yep, into a sea of the undead so rick has to fight off the zombies in the fog or the smoke and we get a flash of sasha a flashback of eugene we get aaron abraham maggie and daryl i think at this point so that's almost everybody including rosita um not quite though so rick fights off some zombies then climbs up the ladder to the roof of the rv because that's where the axe is and, um, this is a, at this point, we're shown that we're back by that bridge where the, uh, big pile of burning logs is. And there's that guy who's still hanging from the bridge, but he is now a zombie. Right. So we get a flash of Michonne. Rick collapses down on top of the RV. He's up there now. So he's kind of safe from the zombies temporarily. Cause they don't know how to climb ladders. Nope. They don't know how to climb ladders. They do not. Right. Uh, we get a flash of Carl and we hear Negan taunting him about growing old with his people having Sunday dinner happily ever after. Like that's the kind of thing Rick expected to happen, but that's not so much in the cards anymore. Yeah. That's kind of what I expect to happen. Growing old, having Sunday dinner, friends and family around. That yeah. sounds nice. It it does sound very nice, but in the zombie apocalypse, Jason, that's not as likely I'm afraid. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping for that you know, zombie apocalypse to not happen. Right. I okay. really am. <laughs> okay. I'm not just saying that. So, I'm really hoping for it not to happen. So you wake up tomorrow morning, you look outside your window and you see a zombie shamble by your front, your down the sidewalk in front of your house. What's the first thing you do? Uh, call the cops. Holy shit. I think it might be fill my bathtub with water. Why? You don't have a store of water in your basement somewhere? No. You should have a store of at least three weeks worth of food and water somewhere. Do you? Yeah. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> really? All right. <laughs> Fine. Maybe I'll do that. But I think it would be filling my bathtub with water. Anywho, uh, we go to a commercial break. And when we come back, we're still with Rick on the roof of the RV. And we flash back to the eeny, meeny, miny, mo scene. So here we go. This is it, man. This, this is, is it, man. This is where we're going to find out who who lives and who dies. So we see a good portion of the eeny, meeny, miny, mo scene from the season six finale again. And Negan lands on Abraham. Abraham. So 
this was something we had speculated in the last time we talked about this, when we were talking about the scene and the blood on Rick's face and who was on the right-hand side of him. Yep. And Abraham was a couple down. And so you thought that maybe it was going to be Abraham. And I think I had other designs on who I thought it was going to be, but after hearing all of that uh, about the scene, and as soon as I saw Rick in this scene look to the left and then look to the right, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, it's Abraham. Yeah, I think you said Sasha, right? I did say Sasha. Yeah. So because Sa- then he would then because then Abraham would go back to Rosita and say, uh, you know, I I I said you were the last woman on earth, or I thought you were the last woman on earth, but you're not. Turns out you are. So we should get back together. Jeez. Yeah. Exactly. That would be <laughs> the worst thing in the world. But Negan landed on Abraham, and he just swings, hits him in the head. Did you notice the peace sign? I did not at the time, but someone Abraham. pointed it out to me. Yeah, I did notice the peace sign. I'm like, oh, that was nice. He's he was he was showing that to uh, Sasha. To Sasha. Yeah. yeah, the ultimate fu to Rosita. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I don't give a shit about that bitch. You're my sweetheart. You know, peace. Uh, I'll love you forever. Everything will be okay, kind of thing. But it's not okay for Abe. He gets hit in the head. He goes forward, but comes back up again, and that's when Negan says, "Taking it like a champ." <laughs> yeah. And Abe tells Negan to suck his nuts, which is great. Yep. And then Negan hits him again and repeatedly until there's very little left of his head. He really went to town. Like he really went to town. It's not just a matter of uh killing him. It's like turning his head into this pulpy little mess. He's uh, I think Negan's got some deep-seated psychological issues that he may need to work out at some point. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> that could be the understatement of the of the season. <laughs> yeah. So Abraham is dead. Jason, we barely. I, uh, in some ways, I feel like we barely got to know the guy. I'm I'm sad to see Abraham go. I liked him. I liked his character. Uh, I'm 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 really quite sad about it. It Abraham is a funny character on this show because it took me a long time to warm up to him. I know you know we've talked about the introduction of him and Rosita and Eugene and how they sort of showed up and were almost like cartoon characters for a little while. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, they gave them more to do. We, we warmed up to them. And at the end of the day, I, I really enjoyed them. I think Eugene is a great character. I think Rosita is as well, even though she hasn't been as big a part of the show as the other two guys, but Abe, Abe was their leader. He was their protector and now he's gone. Yeah. And I think in hindsight, it makes perfect sense. You know, I was thinking about this. Uh, I watched this for the first time last night, and then I watched it watched it again today, and I've been thinking about it ever since I, uh, since I watched it last night at about 11.30. And I was thinking that Negan is going around doing the eeny, meeny, miny, moe, and while he's doing that, he's looking everybody in the eye and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, assessing everybody. Who's going to be the biggest threat in this group that I need to get rid of? And I think Abraham was a likely candidate. Just because he was a big, strong, uh, strong physically and strong personality, right? Yes. And he was probably looking Negan right in the eye the whole time without a shred of fear. And it's like, okay, that guy's got to go. Yeah. You know, if uh, Eugene, on the other hand, is this little blubbery mess, uh, you know, puddle lying on the ground, essentially. And it's like, well, is Eugene going to be a problem? I don't think Eugene's going to be a problem. This guy might be a problem. I can't kill Rick. He's the leader, and I got to fuck with him some other way. I can't kill this person, this person, this person. But, uh, uh, you know, this uh, this guy right here with the mutton chops, He's uh, he's got to go. 
Yeah, well, Abe is the one guy that that did anything to stand up to Abraham in season six in the finale, right? And he's got that luck of the uh, whatever. He found an RPG. I mean, that's a lucky <laughs> thing. And if somebody has uh, some kind of uh, preternatural sense for finding rocket-propelled grenades, that's the guy. And that's the guy you want to get rid of if he's not on your side. If he's not on your side, right. Well, I was, uh, on one hand, I was sort of like, oh, look, it's the guy I predicted. Yay, yay me. But on the other hand, I was I was really sad. And I, I can't say I really enjoyed watching him get his head bashed in either. You know, it was one of the more brutal things we've seen. It's pretty brutal. Uh, at least for a few minutes. And, <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is, Negan seemed to just revel in it. Like, he seemed to just love what he was doing. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe that's a testament to Jeffrey Dean Morgan as an actor, because he sold that like crazy. Uh, but Negan, yeah, he's he's a bad dude. Oh, now watching the scene again as I have it playing in the background and he's doing his eeny, meeny, miny, mo thing. Yeah. People, I'm looking at the eyes, right? Rick is staring off into space. He's not seeing anything. He's pretty much not using his eyes. Uh, everybody else is looking at the bat itself. They're looking at Lucille going, holy shit, that's a bat covered in barbed wire. That's going to hurt whoever it hits. Uh, Abraham is looking Negan right in the eye. Oh, Abraham, he has such balls. Yeah, and maybe he's doing that on purpose, right? He's got to know that if you challenge somebody like uh, the uh, the head of of the tribe uh, by looking him in the eye, they got to do something about it. And I have personal experience for this. Have I ever told you about the Batu Caves in uh, in Malaysia? <laughs> Not me. I don't think so, no. Okay, so I was in Malaysia one time, <laughs> and I went to the Batu Caves, which uh, there's a shrine, a Hindu shrine, I think it is, up these 90-some-odd really steep stairs that go up into a cave, and deep inside this cave is a big sinkhole, so you can see the sky. So we climbed up this huge set of stairs into this shrine, and inside this uh, inside this cave, right below this sinkhole, there's a tribe of monkeys. There's monkeys everywhere. They're looking for food. They're looking for whatever they can get. They're running around. And so I am standing uh, with my arm on a railing, and I turn, and uh, just about two feet away from me is a monkey. And I look at this monkey, and I go, holy shit, that's a big friggin' monkey. And all of a, and he's looking right at me in the eye, and I'm looking at him right in the eye, and all of a sudden I think, oh my god, that's the leader of this tribe of monkeys. What do I do? <laughs> I do the smart thing. I look at the ground. I look at the ground, and I back away slowly. I did not want to fight this monkey to be the king of this tribe because I got to live there. I got to freaking, I got to emigrate to <laughs> Malaysia. I've got to, you know, live in this cave. I got to leave these tribe of monkeys. I don't know any of the monkeys. Right? So <laughs> right. I did the right thing. I just looked at the ground and I slowly backed away. Let him be the leader of this tribe. Right. So that, that's what you got to do. You don't do what Abraham did because then you get your head bashed in with a Lucille. Assuming you, assuming you uh, didn't want to become the leader of the monkeys, you did the right thing. That's right. That's right. I, yeah, I didn't want to move there. I know I had a whole life back home. Exactly. <laughs> it was a nice place to visit, but man, that's a lot of responsibility when you're in your 20s. To lead monkeys, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that story applies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, Abraham, he was looking Negan in the eye, and he's the one who got the bat because of it. Now, Negan swings the bat and sprays the blood on Rick's face, so that's how it got there. Uh -huh. And Negan forces Rosita to look at the bloody bat as a power play once again, and he realizes that she was with Abe. Nice. Now, Negan is taunting her, and Daryl doesn't like this, so he gets up and he punches Negan. 
He does right in the right in the face. Yeah, exactly. This is like if you were standing there looking at this monkey and your friend that you were with suddenly punched the monkey in the face. Yeah, don't do that. What are you, an idiot? No, obviously, <laughs> Daryl was trying to defend his friend. Yeah. But it was a uh, poor decision because, of course, Negan said in season six, you get one outburst. And after that, he's going to shut that shit down. Yeah. And Glenn already caused an outburst in that episode. So Negan's cronies get on Daryl, including Dwight, who is using Daryl's crossbow. And he says, should I shoot him, boss? Pretty much. And Negan says, no, we're not going to kill him. Instead, uh, they, they drag him away. And Negan reminds them that he said the first outburst is free, but that's it. So when there's a second outburst, he has to do something about it. So he's standing in front of Glenn and he turns around and he bashes Glenn on the head a couple of times. Oh, that was a shocker. Did you see that coming? Nope. I did not I didn't see it coming. See that. I said, uh, I was, okay, so imagine this. It's about uh, midnight by the time I'm seeing this scene. I'm sitting in the office upstairs. I've got my sleeping son in my arms and I'm watching it at a very low volume. Uh, just trying to, to get through the episode. I knew I was going to watch it twice, but so he was trying to sleep. So I just sat there with him, uh, watching, you know, very ultra violent things, yep. trying to make sure my son doesn't see it. And we're just sitting there and all of a sudden I say, holy fucking shit. <laughs> he wakes up, he's startled, he's looking at me, he's like, it's okay. What happened? It's okay. <laughs> he's like, so, what happened? Are you watching The Walking Dead again? Yeah, well, what's going on? Luckily, uh, he didn't wake up for long. My wife didn't wake up. Everything was fine. But uh, I actually uh, burst out. Uh, that was very surprising. I don't blame you, man, because it was surprising. It wasn't completely out of nowhere. Um, I had a suspicion that they were going to kill two people. I didn't know. Really? If, yeah, I didn't know if it was going to be Negan or something else was going to happen or whatever. I did think for a second there that Daryl was going to get it when he punched him in the face. Um, but no, it was Glenn. So... Negan hits him a couple times. Glenn's face is basically destroyed. Oh, God, that was gross. His eyeball is popping out. Um, you've read the comic up to that yeah. point. Yeah. And it was virtually straight out of the comic book. Yeah. So it was gross. It was shocking. It was horrifying. It was really upsetting. Um, you know, I don't know. Maggie, of course, is is devastated. Glenn tries to say something to her. It sounded like Maggie, I'll find, I'll find you. Yeah, I'll like find that. you. It was very metaphysical. Yeah, of course he'll find her. Uh, and Negan then continues to bash his head in, and the camera focuses on pretty much everybody else's reaction while we hear the squishy blows of the bat coming down on his skull. And then we get what is possibly the single most disturbing shot of the entire program. And it's Glenn's pretty much headless body on the ground with his arms still kind of twitching. <laughs> yeah. In the uh, death twitches or whatever you want to call those. And uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's, uh, it was very, it was, I was very disturbed by this whole scene. The whole, I, yeah, the whole thing was super disturbing. Are you sad Glenn's dead? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, I'm sad that Glenn's dead on a level because I like Glenn. I'm kind of not sad that he's dead because of uh, uh, of what happened in the comic books. 
So 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 you're I can okay say with that, them. right? Yeah, yeah, we're 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 okay there. I mean, you're you're good with them sticking to the source material in this case. I am. And this is the last thing I can spoil with the comic books because this is literally the last issue that I read. Yeah, you issue 100. You read to 100. Not not for any reason other than you just haven't got around to reading the others. Well, that and you told me to stop. Oh, I did? Cuz yeah, you said don't this oh, is a yeah. good opportunity you stop that way you don't know what's going to happen. You're uh, I, I got uh, virgin ears now. You virgin do. Virgin eyes. <laughs> virgin eyes and ears. Yeah. And maybe other parts. So cuz I have no idea what's going to happen. There's something about a lion I have no idea what. <laughs> lion. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh okay, well that's that's right. I remember saying that now. That'll be interesting to move forward into the uh into the era the era of non-comic reading Jason. Yeah. So, yeah, I was pretty upset by this whole thing. I did, again, did not enjoy watching it. This was even worse than watching Abraham get the beat down. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's because it was just more graphic or because I kind of expected it to happen to Abraham, so I'd mentally prepared myself, or just because it's Glenn and he's been around since virtually day one. Mm -hmm. And I think the character's great. His, you know, wife, pregnant wife was right there watching this happen. And there was just nothing, it, nothing could have been more brutal, I don't think. No, it was, uh, it was, it was really brutal. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan looked drunk. Uh, he was so happy with what was happening. Oh my God. Like he was staggering around being excited and uh, yeah, he looked uh, damn right giddy as to, you know, getting to beat the shit out of two people. Yeah. And I think it's important to make the distinction that, you know, Negan looked downright giddy. I don't want to put that on Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, God, no. My God, the guy is a good actor. He's a professional. He, he knows is, what he's doing. He he really, really does. So Negan, yeah, again, he just revels in it. He he smashes Glenn's head into the into the dirt until there's nothing left. Blood is squirting all over the place. And while all this is playing out, we cut back to shots of Rick's face on top of that RV as he's remembering everything that happened, just like Negan asked him to. And when we cut back to him for good, we hear Negan yelling from, you know, inside the RV, telling him to get the axe, reminding him what he's out there to do. Yeah, get my axe. What the hell are you doing? You're sleeping on the job there? <laughs> what are you doing lying down up there? So after a commercial break, we come back and Negan starts shooting up through the roof to make sure Rick, you know, knows what's going on. And to get away, Rick picks up the axe, runs and jumps and grabs onto the hanging walker, who's hanging off the bridge by his neck. Uh, they start to fall down into a swarm of walkers below them, but just before they land, Negan shoots out the back window and clears some of them away so that Rick can fall down and not get eaten. Yeah, he's got, uh, he's invested in Rick's survival. He is. He's not going to let him die. No, he not yet. He wants him to do what he's told, not die. He's trying to scare him into submission. So they fall, and Rick is crawling out of the pile of walkers. I must admit, I did like how that zombie's neck looked when it stretched down. It's pretty gross. <laughs> I know, but gross in an awesome way, I thought. Greg Nicotero went above and beyond on some of the items in this uh, particular episode. Well, he directed it, so. Yes, he did. He had all the power. Uh, you know, Negan reminds Rick to think about what could still happen. And now we see shots of all the other characters getting hit with the bat, just one off. 
So yeah, that's what could happen. This is what's going through Rick's mind. You know, if he doesn't get his get the axe, yep. get Negan's axe, and get his ass in gear, this is what's going to happen. Right. And this reminds me of when we heard that they filmed a death scene for all the characters. And we assumed that, oh, they're just doing that to throw people off. You know, if there's any leaked information, it'll be, well, they killed everybody. But that's clearly not true. Looks like they did that so they could do this kind of speculation scene. Yeah, you don't want to waste film. (laughs) No, you got to use everything you shoot, right? Yes. That's how it works. And it's not really a lie if you use the film in the episode. There you go. See? So um, Rick manages to retrieve the axe, which has fallen to the ground. He uses it to fight off some more zombies. He gets back to the RV, and just as he's getting overrun, Negan opens the door, shoots some more, and Rick gets back in. Okay, just before Rick grabs the axe, he puts his hand around a zombie's neck, and there's this gooey, bulbous thing happening with the zombie in his neck. Did you see that? I, I sort of did, yeah. I wasn't sure what was going on there. I don't know. I need that explained to me. Somehow, like, what was what was happening there? Because it looked like he had some kind of goiter or some kind of weird pustule thing on his neck, and then Rick grabbed it and started spewing crap all over the place. I'm like, okay, that's that's particularly nasty. I don't know what the hell that is. It was a pretty quick shot, though, right? Like, it we was. didn't we didn't focus on that very very long, but I did see it, and you're right. I wasn't sure what was going on. I don't know. Maybe it was just some sort of deformation that that uh, that occurred on that zombie. I don't know. Right. Well, Greg, I know you listen to the show, so call in and uh, tell us what uh, what you were doing there. What what was going on there? If I see him, Mr. Nicotero, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is a formal occasion, Jason. Mr. <laughs> Nicotero. Yeah, that's right. If I see him in Atlanta, maybe I'll ask him. Yeah, what the hell, man? All right. You can ask him that for me. <laughs> I will. Uh, so Rick gets back into the RV. Rick hands Negan the axe and sits down, and Rick gives Negan a death stare. Because that's really all he's got left to do. Yeah, well, you know, if somebody bothers you, stare him in the eye. Unless he's got a bat in his hand, uh, then you don't want to challenge his authority. It's important, though, because as we learn later on, the whole point of all this, which we'll get to, is that Negan is trying to break Rick and get Rick to accept the fact that he's the boss now. And once you know that, like you don't know that at the time here, but this death stare that Rick gives him is clearly... Not like Negan hasn't broken him yet, right? Not yet. So he's still got to work on that a little bit. So they drive away. And when they stop, Negan calls Rick Prick, which I thought was a funny play <laughs> on his name. We're here, Prick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> which I, 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 that was the one smile I got out of this episode. And Negan starts clearing the goop off the axe with some actual like disinfectant or rubbing alcohol or something like that. It was rubbing alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And. So he's, and and he's talking about how messed up all this is, right? How everything he did is just so crazy and all that. And the fact that he's cleaning the axe, especially with a disinfecting agent like rubbing alcohol. Well, you know, I, you know where I thought this was going. I thought he was going to chop Rick's hand off. Or is that what you thought? Or at least some fingers. Negan thought, well, this axe is covered in zombie goop. If I cut it, if I cut off his hand like this, he's just going to get infected and die. I don't want that to happen. I want to cut his hand off to teach him a lesson. So I'm going to clean this axe first, and then I'm going to chop his hand or his fingers off. That's interesting. 
but it didn't happen. I, I didn't. I just thought it was a, a you know a fine instrument of zombie killing, and uh, you got to take care of your shit. Well, I guess you do have to take care of your shit, but I was like, why would he clean it off? Like, what's he going? To, what's he about to do with it that requires it to be clean? Oh, I didn't think of that at all. Yeah. Well, I did. I thought they were going to go back to that comic book thing, Rick, one-handed Rick, and we were going to get it like seven years later. Um, but uh, it did not happen. So uh, they are now back at the lineup and day has broke. So it's daylight now and nobody's moved. They're all basically still sitting there on the ground. All of Negan's guys are still hanging around. Just That's a, you know, I found that extremely interesting that while he was gone and they were gone for what? A half hour? Maybe? Uh, maybe an hour, like a little while. Nobody moved a fucking inch. And that tells me a lot about the power that Negan has over this group. They are scared shitless of him. Yeah. Right? Or they, love him so much that they will uh, do anything he says. And if they don't tell him, tell them, if he doesn't tell them to do something, they don't do anything. <laughs> they just stand there it's and like, wait. We're going for a ride. You know, it's like, well, you know, Rick might come back. You know, he might not. Yeah. So, you know, we better wait for Negan to come back. This is. <laughs> You know, he left us here. This is where we stand. Yeah. We don't do anything until he says we do something. Yeah. Well, they're all still hanging around. And this is when Negan gets into the whole thing about what that trip was about. He explains to Rick that he needs Rick to respect him, but he doesn't yet. And Negan can tell by the way he looks at him. And things start to get intense. Negan tells all of his men to put guns to everybody's head. Then he brings Carl out of the lineup. And he starts tying his belt around Carl's arm and tells him to lie down on the ground. Yep. So, That's when I kind of figured out what was happening. Like, well, right. why would you tie a tourniquet around somebody's arm if you were going to slap him around a little bit? No, you need a tourniquet if you're going to cut something off. Yeah. Or you've recently had something removed and you need to try and stop the bleeding. Right. So Carl's lying down on the ground with his arm sticking out. Now, to be... You know, Negan's not completely unreasonable. He he goes to cut off his left arm, which is not Carl's dominant arm. He doesn't right. want to cut off his right arm because then he can't, he's totally useless. Uh, but he asks Simon for a pen and he draws a line on Carl's arm. Rick starts begging Negan not to do this. Everyone is working on the assumption still that Negan is going to cut uh, Carl's arm off. Oh, I didn't. As soon as, uh, as soon as I saw this happening, I knew that it wasn't Negan that was going to do it. The axe is in Rick's hand. Well, it's on the ground, right? Well, he carried Rick carried it out of the RV. Okay. Uh, yeah, I knew full well that it was like exactly what was going on. It was Negan trying to uh, get a power play on Rick, mm -hmm. and it's you know you got to make you got to make Rick do it. You can't just cut off the hand and go, okay, you respect me now, bastard. No, you got to make him do it. Yeah, no, it, it's it makes a lot of sense now, but I didn't pick up on it right away. Uh, but it didn't take very long. And of course, that's what's happening. Uh, you know, Rick is begging Negan not to do this. And Negan says, no, no, no. You're going to cut your own son's left arm off. Yeah. And if you don't, I'm going to kill every single last one of you, including your son, except for you, Rick. I'm going to keep you alive for a couple of years and I'm going to torture the crap out of you. Yeah. So Michonne speaks up. She says that they understand, they, they, you know, they, they respect, or we respect you basically. And Negan explains that, uh, 
that that doesn't matter. I need Rick to do this. Rick, uh, you know, needs to respect me. And Rick offers himself up. He says, you know, let them go or whatever and cut my arm off or something like that. Right. Um, Rick continues to hesitate because, good God, this is horrible. And who would want to do something like this? And uh, he starts begging Negan not to do it. And Negan says he's going to give him a countdown, which he does. He counts down three, two, one. And uh, just as the music reaches a crescendo and Rick pulls, picks up the axe and raises it above his head to bring it down on Carl's arm, uh, Carl tells him to just do it. Yep. He gets permission. It's yep. important. He does. Carl says, you got to do this, Dad, or everyone's going to die. And just as he's about to do it, Negan stops him and says, you answer to me, you provide for me, you belong to me, right? (laughs) (laughs) And he makes Rick repeat that. So Rick is now 100% broken and completely agrees to what Negan just said. Yep, yep, I'll do it, no problem. Everything is good. Negan says this is the look he wanted to see in Rick's eyes which he hadn't seen before. So pretty crazy, intense scene. Very intense. Carl, as you said, gave his dad permission to do it. Rick was about to do it, uh, but Negan stopped him. What do you think would have happened if Negan had let him go ahead with that? Oh, he'd have done it. I thought it was going to happen. I really did. I really did too. I thought it was going to happen. But, But did Negan just decide, you know, I don't need to let this happen because I've made my point and he obviously is on board now. Like, why not just uh, let him do it anyway? I don't know. Uh, I think this was a, I think this was out of character for Negan. I think Negan would have made Rick go through with it. Yeah. He's, he doesn't lie. He doesn't fuck around. We've learned that a couple of times now already. Uh, yeah. I think this was, uh, this was the show saying we can't do this rather than Negan saying, I don't need to do this. We've got to pull back. We've already gone, you know, past the line a little bit on this episode anyway. Yeah, I I thought something was going to, I thought we we're going to get some kind of Deus Ex Machina in here to save the day, uh, but it didn't look like that was going to happen, and I was going to be pretty pissed off if it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I honestly thought that it was fully within Negan's character to make Rick go through with it, and it was fully within Rick's character under these circumstances to do it. Because he needs to save everybody, right? Yes, but he's also, he's broken and he got permission from his son to do it. This, I thought, honestly, this is the only uh, small detracting thing in an otherwise perfect episode. I think it it was just uh, slightly out of character for Negan to stop it. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think so. After what we've seen and what we know about him, you'd think he would have been the, the guy, the the kind of guy to just be like, all right, I've made my point. He's obviously on board now, but we're going to let him do this anyways, because I just want to see it. Right. <laughs> the, guy yes. is, the guy is sadistic. So he it's because he is sadistic. If he was a master interrogator, I don't know anything about Negan's backstory, right? But if he was some kind of master interrogator, you don't just use the... Uh, uh, the stick, right? You got to use the carrot and the stick mm-hmm. to get something done. So he's been using the stick literally for the entire episode yep. to uh, to get his way. Uh, you know, when you're trying to break somebody, you do these little things where you just you give them a little bit of kindness, 
right? A little bit of kindness and that kind of, uh, that can tend to break somebody. I don't think Negan has that. I don't think he's manipulative like that. I think he's just a, a maniac, sadistic asshole that wants to cause as much mayhem and to get as much power as he can. I don't think he, uh, I just, I didn't think this was fully within his character. He, he basically brutalizes you into submission. He doesn't, he doesn't manipulate you into submission. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe they felt they had to hold back a little bit. But I don't feel like this episode pulled any punches generally. They, they. No, it, this was scene was very, very intense because yeah. I thought it was going to happen. And uh, we'll talk about the episode as a whole later. But uh, yeah, it was a very intense scene. Yeah, it really was. So Negan reminds everybody that things have now changed. He tells Dwight to load up Daryl and they throw him in the back of a van. And uh, Negan says that he's mine now, referring to Daryl. And he says that, uh, you know, if they don't live up there into the bargain, he will cut pieces off of Daryl and send them to him, send them back to them, send the pieces back to them. Or better yet, he'll bring Daryl and have Rick cut pieces off of him. Right. Because <laughs> that's what he was about to do. That makes sense. That's right. So Negan leaves them a truck and they basically all pack up and leave. He says they'll be back in a week for their first offering. Yeah. Of stuff. That makes sense. <clears throat> did, did you notice that the last shot we get of one of the, uh, the Negan people, what are they called? The saviors. The saviors. Yeah. The last savior we see is taking a picture of one of the, uh, I, I think it was Glenn that they were taking a picture Glenn's of. Glenn's body. Yeah. Yeah, because well, we saw that earlier in the uh, the SETI research station or whatever that big satellite fucking thing was. We saw pictures of people with their heads bashed in. So we got to add to the collection, my friend. Keep a record of everybody we've bashed in. Yeah. Um, so we get a slow-mo montage of all of them leaving, basically. And our characters who've been on the ground for a while, they can't even really get up. They just don't know what to do anymore. And uh, as you said, we see a picture of one of Negan's men taking a Polaroid. After they're gone... Maggie tries to get up and go to Glenn's body. Rick tells her that they need to get her to the hilltop doctor still because yeah. he hasn't forgotten yet that she was in some kind of distress. And uh, Maggie says that, forget that, you have to go back to Alexandria and get ready to fight back against these people. Uh-huh. Um. She tells them all to go back, but she's going to the hilltop. And I got the feeling that Maggie seems to feel responsible in a way for everything that's happened because they were out there on the road because of her. Oh, yeah. Okay. So she might feel that way. I mean, logically, they're going to run into these people anyway. They were, in, they were running into these people for a while now. They're going to run into Negan eventually. So it's not Maggie's fault. No, of course not. But I think she's feeling a little bit responsible for it. Yeah. Uh, of course, none of them are like agreeing to let her go. But Sasha says she'll take her there and keep her safe. And she also says to Rosita that they'll take Abe's body. Yeah. Um. Now the the rest of the group sort of gathers around the bodies. Rosita, Sasha, and Eugene are with Abraham on the ground. Everybody else is around Glenn, and they pick them up and move them into the vehicles. So they have a truck that uh, uh, Negan left for them, plus the RV is still there. So we hear Negan's voice doing sort of a voiceover, talking about sitting around at Sunday dinner, growing old together, that same thing he said earlier in the episode. And we get a shot of what the future could have been 
So there's an outdoor table. It's long. Everybody's there. They're having a nice dinner. It looks great. Include everyone's there, including the characters who weren't, you know, in the semicircle with Negan. That's Carol, Morgan, Enid, Tara. Everybody is there. And at the end of the table, we see Glenn holding his son, you know, with Maggie with long hair beside him. And uh, it's a really kind of touching vision of the future that will never happen. They have bread. They have spaghetti with meatballs. Oh. Uh, this, it's so brutal to see this idyllic <laughs> I know. scene after what we went through. After what we've just watched. You know, uh, Abe is there, of course. He's beside Glenn. The two guys that are, are dead now are are looking alive and well. But we know this will never happen. And this was just this stupid show making us all feel even more sad than we already are. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty, ugh. And I, I don't, don't even know, I don't even have a word for it. I don't mean to call the show stupid, but, you know, they really were really going all out in this episode. One other thing I noticed here is it's quick, and it took me a few minutes to realize what I was seeing, but sitting with Carl is a young girl. Clearly Judith in a few years. Oh. Yeah, so... Right. It was an unknown girl, and I was like, who the hell is that? Oh, this is three, four years from now. That's Judith. Right. You don't see her very much, but she's there. So I thought that was that was a nice touch, too, right? They really went all out in This is the Future, and Judith is still around. So you know what that means, Jason? We never have to see a baby killed on screen. Well. Because Judith survives. <laughs> Yeah, so in a future that doesn't exist. In the fantasy future, that's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't think we can take that as any kind of thing. Okay, fine. We still might see a baby die on screen. No, we won't. Okay. Well, we cut back to the forest. Uh, everyone's gone. Rick picks up his axe. He gets in the RV, and he drives away as a walker comes out of the trees. It's I think Rick is driving away by himself. We don't see anyone else in the RV. Everyone else crowded into the uh, pickup truck, I guess. Into the truck, I guess. Yeah, or, I yeah they're lying down with the body. I guess Bodies. so, maybe. Uh, or we can assume they're in the back of the RV. I don't know. The camera focuses close up on Rick's eyes because it's Andrew Lincoln, and that guy can act with his eyes better than most people can act with their entire bodies. Yep. And... The entire emotional arc of the episode is contained within that guy's face. And it's quite something. And we cut to black and the episode is over. <sighs> like, thankfully, over in a way, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> was this the most brutal hour of TV you've ever seen? It was really hard to watch and really hard to stop watching. I only meant to watch the first 10 minutes, just find out who died, and then Jasper and I would go back to bed and get up in the morning and I'd watch the episode again at some point the next day. But I could not stop watching it. But it was so brutal. And I don't mean that just physically brutal, but emotionally and uh, morally. And it was just, it was so hard to watch but i could not stop watching yeah i you can't take your eyes off of it i never i never looked away while anyone was getting bashed in the head but i kind of wanted to because i didn't want to see it but i i i knew that i that i had to in a way but you're right it was so difficult it was so brutal and i'm not even sure i really enjoyed watching some of those scenes even though i thought the episode in general was 
pretty spectacular. It, it was. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't hold back. Like they didn't. They did not hold back. Pull any punches, and you know, I found myself thinking later on: Is this the payoff we wanted? Either from the from all of season six. Like if this had been at the end of uh, episode sixteen of season six, or you know, we got the cliffhanger instead. Is this the is this the payoff we we wanted? How how do you feel about that? I think that this would have made a hell of a season finale. Can you imagine now that if uh, we saw this last uh, last spring mm-hmm. and uh, had to walk away from this fucking brutality? It was just. It would be. I think it would be amazing. Like now, what happens now? Like Rick, is he broken? Is he not broken? Uh, are they going to go after Negan? Are they are they just going to you know put their tail between their legs and start doing the offering? Is Maggie going to be okay? Uh, what's going to happen? I think this would have made a far better finale than a premiere. I'm with you. I think they should have shown us, maybe not this entire episode, but they should have shown us up to the point. So I have two, I have two thoughts here. What I really would have liked is they show us up to the point where Glenn gets beaten down and, and we see the rest of the gang reacting, you know, cut to black and we're like, everyone would be speechless, right? Everyone would have been sitting in front of their TVs with their mouths hanging open, not being able to believe what they just saw, probably cursing the show uh, producers and showrunners for making us wait, you know, six months or whatever it is until we get the resolution. But nobody would have been saying there was like, that was bullshit. That was, there was no payoff. No, because that was not bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. There was no bullshit at all in yeah. that. Uh, so I think this payoff was amazing. I think it was a great episode. But I hold to the idea that this should have been the la- the first, this should have been in the season uh, finale. Yes. N- not all, you know, it would have been different because we wouldn't have gone 20 minutes into this episode before we found out who it was. We would have had that scene tacked on at the end. And then this episode would have been, you know, obviously recut to uh, pick up from where it left off. So, but here's, here's the other idea I had. What if they'd shown us Abraham go down in yep. season six and come back in season seven with Glenn, like right off the that, bat? That would have worked for me as well. I think that would yeah. have been amazing. And that would have been a, a hell of a shocker. We would have got uh, Abraham, you know, getting beaten to death. And then, uh, uh, and then we have the, the, the flashing forward and back because we had, you know, flashbacks and, and, uh, when Rick was in the, in the van and such, but then throughout that we could get the reveal of Glenn being killed as well. That would have been a hell of a premiere. Yeah. I think that would have worked almost, almost as well. Um, you know, I, you probably would have had a certain percentage of people saying, Oh, they chickened out. They, they killed Abraham. He's not a main character, but you know, maybe, we, but I, I still don't think people would have felt as cheated as as we all did with having nothing at the end of season six. Yeah. So um, I think it totally would have worked as well. It almost it it would have maybe made the season seven premiere even more impactful because you have all summer to get used to the idea that Abraham is dead, and you think, well, they're going to come back in season seven. It'll be cool. But it's not going to be super shocking. And then it is, you know? Yeah. So that could have worked too. I think that could have worked too. At the end of the day, <laughs> ultimately. What the hell do we know? 
Well, sure. But I have, <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like we're doing okay. I was going to say at the end of the day, the way they did decide to play all this out did, didn't work very well. Uh, <laughs> what I mean is what they, at the end of the day, what they decided to do at the end of season six was, oh, was ultimately the wrong call in my opinion. And even though this episode was great, I think they could have done it better. The end of season six, I mean, not this yes, episode. Yes. This episode was still really awesome. So um, let me play devil's advocate for a second. Okay, you uh, you support the devil on uh, in court. I'm going to do that. In a way, Jason, uh-huh. they did kind of play it safe in this epi- in this episode they didn't they didn't really uh do something truly shocking and brave despite everything we've already just said because i it occurred to me they killed abraham arguably a secondary character whose death they sort of knew fans could live with in a way and then they kill glenn which is you know, sticking to the source material, the comic. So people already knew about that. And it's something that essentially they did a trial run for early in season six. If I'm, if I'm being, you know, um, a little pessimistic about it all, they did a trial run for this with the dumpster to see how people would react to Glenn's death. Um, and so we have a secondary character and Glenn, and when you put that together, it's not really all that truly shocking or the most brave thing to do, which, in my opinion, would have been to kill Daryl or Michonne. Yes, uh, I'm I, I'm right up with you, except for the trial run bit, because I don't think that gave them any information whatsoever on whether or not it was okay to kill Glenn because they fucked that up so badly <laughs> that it really muddied the waters on what they were trying to do if that's what they were trying to do. Yeah, I ag- I agree. I think that backfired, but I have a f- but part of me feels like that's what they were trying to do. They're going to like, well, let's kill Glenn for a few episodes and see how everyone reacts. And then and then if they're kind of okay with it, well, I mean, who knows what they were thinking? They, if people were okay with it, I don't know if that would have meant that, well, we'll kill him at the end of the season or at season seven and people will be okay with it. Or maybe they'll be even more upset because we tried this once already. All I'm saying is they didn't go for what would have been the truly most shocking and brave thing to do as, you know, TV storytellers. And that would be to kill off Daryl, who... I think they see as a cash cow character. He's the one that they got to keep around because of the fan support for that character. And Michonne would be a close second. I I kind of agree, but you know, the source material killed off Glenn yep. and he was a beloved character in that source material. So in which uh, Daryl doesn't exist, which Daryl doesn't exist. And you know, uh, I think killing off Glenn here. I I don't I don't look at it. I can't see it as cynically as as you're suggesting as devil devil's advocate. Yeah, not you know you you've backed away from that enough so that I don't know if you actually think that or not. You're just 
playing the yeah. advocate, which is fine. I don't, but uh, no, I, I don't see it that way. I think that they did the Glenn Dumpster bullshit and screwed it up royally. What their plan was, I don't know. Maybe it was just kind of like, uh, we're going to kill Glenn. No, no, we're not. Oh, yes, we are. You know, they, <laughs> it might just be as simple as that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, that's probably what they were thinking. Um, but I don't know. I'm not dissatisfied with what we got here. As I, I hope I've I've been clear about, I do think though that they had another option, and that would have been truly, truly surprising and shocking. Even though what we got was pretty surprising and shocking. Yeah, and we're playing Monday morning quarterback as well, right? We're kind of Absolutely. second guessing, uh, you know, the, the the mentality of the coaches in making the decisions that they were making while the play was in motion. You know, so this, you know, yes, in hindsight. Uh, they could have done things that would have been more shocking, possibly, or uh, more detrimental to their bottom line, but more entertaining for the uh, for the audience. But on uh, you know, on the whole, holy shit! <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's hard to not approach this or come out of this episode without thinking, "Holy shit!" Yeah, or a lot of other things. So, I just wanted to throw that out there as an idea because it occurred to me, but. You know, I, I'm not sort of disappointed with where things went. And the only other thing I want to say about this episode really is that, um, I thought I was going to love to hate Negan as a character, but I think I just hate him. I, I, I well, that it's a, it's a hindsight thing. Like we're just getting the taste of, uh, of Negan as, as a truly brutal psychopathic character right now. I know like we got that a bit in the, uh, in the last, uh, in the season finale of season six, but here we get to see him in his full brutality glory. We do. But at the end of season six, I'm like, oh man, this character is going to be awesome. Like a, the actor's doing such a great job and he's just so, yeah, he's evil, but he's charismatic. And like, you're, you're going to, it's going to be fun to watch this guy, even though you might not always love what he's doing. I don't like, I think they really made me hate this guy. Like I, so you don't want to see him on screen anymore. You just want him to die off screen somewhere. He is so goddamn evil. And, and, and I'm just like, I just want him to die. I want revenge so bad right now. I'm pretty sure we're going to get it. Like they're not setting us up to, you know, have everybody killed and then and then Negan go off into the distance and have his uh, picnic in the park with all his friends and family. Yeah, but like, he's going to be around for a while, I think. Whether he whatever his fate is ultimately and, you know, I know where the comic book goes, you don't. But whatever his fate ultimately is in the TV show, I think he's going to be around for a while and right. at is this Is it a landmine? Does he step on a landmine? Is that what happens? Uh, he dies in a plane crash. Plane crash, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, but at this moment, I'm like, fuck that guy. I just want Rick or somebody <laughs> to stand up and punch him in the face until he has no face left. Yeah, just fuck that guy in particular. Yeah, that guy, that guy right there. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that's a testament to Jeffrey Dean Morgan, maybe to the writing. Um, but you think it was too much, crap. though. You think we should, they should have dialed back a little bit, like not just maybe not the uh, the uh, the plot points, but maybe the acting. Maybe he shouldn't just be so and so much so uh, so much enjoyment out of what he's doing. It's just like back him off a little bit. Would you have done that? Would that would that have been better for you? No, that might have been worse. I mean, you don't want them to hold back, right? And if he truly is this evil a character, you want that to come across. It just. 
I just can't believe how much I hate him. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. You know, I can't believe it. So maybe as time goes on, my feelings will change. But uh, he's got to get his comeuppance at some point. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's going to be so satisfying. Yeah, except that before they do that, somehow they're going to make Negan sympathetic. We're all going to love him for a second. And then down he uh, goes. They're not going to do that, are they? I, they, can't, they can't do that. I hope oh, this not. character, they can't do that with this character. It, this character is, uh, uh, I, I was going to compare him to Darth Vader, but he's definitely not Darth Vader because they make him sympathetic in the end. Uh, who is he? He's got to be, what, some evil character that eventually dies in the end that uh, gets his comeuppance. That never becomes good again, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's Hitler. way... <laughs> oh, God, maybe, except <laughs> not a character. This guy's way more evil than Darth Vader, the way I see it, the way I feel about him right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Darth Vader did the same thing, right? We just, he did it off screen in the prequels, but That's he did true. the same shit. Even though he killed whole uh, tribes of people. Yeah. Yeah, just, I, they pulled their punches on that, but they did not pull. So he's yeah, he's worse than Darth Vader in my opinion as well. But that's because we saw his brutality on screen. We just didn't see this uh, black, shiny, hulking menace walking around, going, uh, <laughs> "You're part of the Rebel Alliance." Whatever. <laughs> of course, that uh, maybe if Negan did that, we'd feel more okay with it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, season seven, episode one is now behind us. We can move on. Unfortunately, it will be without Abraham and Glenn. You know, I don't really think of it as moving on. I think of it as recovering. I think we need to, a little bit of time to recover from this episode. Yeah, I think we might. Um, this is, I got to tell you, like my overall thoughts on this episode are, it was nigh on perfect. I can't think of any detracting factor other than uh, I think Negan was slightly out of character in stopping Rick and cutting off his son's hand. Uh, but that's just a minor thing because, you know, it worked for me in uh, in that context. And I didn't realize that until later. Right. Uh, it Jeffrey Dean Morgan was amazing. Rick, uh, uh, sorry, Andrew Lincoln was amazing. Everybody else in that line in reacting to the brutality that was going on was amazing. Uh, the Greg Nicotero in the special effects, special effects and practical effects in this episode was phenomenal. Yeah, I can't this, and I was this is the first time I can remember ever watching a television show and being physically disturbed by what was happening and emotionally brutalized for having to go through it. You've often said that your wife is really good at that, at watching TV that way. Like she completely yes. invests into movies and TV shows. Absolutely. And look, it's happened to you now. It, it That's why I'm uh, shocked a little bit in that uh, I generally don't get so emotionally invested in what's going on. But this, this did it. Somehow, I don't know what exactly it was that got me into it, whether it was the sheer brutality or Jeffrey Dean Morgan's delight in uh, in his maniac personality. <laughs> but uh, some, like I remember going to bed last night after watching this for the first time and being disturbed by the whole thing. Could you could you not sleep? Did you have nightmares? Oh God, no, there's no problem. I never have a problem falling asleep. I was asleep <laughs> in like five to seven minutes, but I thought about this the whole five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and by minutes, I mean seconds. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take long. Yeah. Oh, well, man, that's, that's amazing. Look at that. The walking dead really got to you. 
it uh yeah and i need a little bit of perspective and a little bit of time to recover and get that respect perspective but uh this is this episode was right up there for the some of the best things my tv has ever shown me, well you've got for sure you've got seven days to get over it because another one comes next sunday night yeah i mean there's I'm not even thinking about potential, right? Like when we watch a uh, a, uh, a season premiere, we're like, okay, there's so much potential for this uh, for this season. That was really great. And then we go to the next episode. That was pretty good too. And then they go to the third episode and they're like, well, what the fuck did I do in there? Right. Like, why did they do that? That's kind of strange. So uh, I'm, and when we see that first episode, we're excited for the season. We're like, okay, they're really going to get their shit together this season and uh, do stuff that's, uh, uh, that's important and impactful to you know, pop culture and society. Uh, I'm not even thinking that for this episode. This episode was like, holy shit, I can't believe they just fucking did that. Yeah. Yeah. This was a, this could be all of season seven and it'd be over and you'd be yeah, like, that was full a, stop. Was you know, that's why I wanted it as the, as the season finale from last season. Cause like, you know, I need a summer to recover from this damn thing and to get my shit together so that I'm prepared to watch what's going to happen next. Well, you're not getting it, man. It's, no, I'm not getting it. It's coming right in. Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm excited yeah. for you that you had that reaction to it. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> nice that uh, I've seen the episode three times now. Right. You know, I watched it last night, once today, and then we pretty much just, uh, in my mentality, we watched it again. So I think I'm okay with everything that's happened. So uh, I'll take a deep breath and uh, I'll be ready for next week. Very good. Very good. I'm ready. I'm ready for next week. I, I want to see where this is all going and see how the group reacts. Uh, it's going to be an exciting season, I think. We've got 15 more episodes in season seven. All right. Um, we are going to take a short break to thank some of our new patrons and let you know how you can become a patron. When we come back, we're going to talk about our season seven record your favorite scene contest. So make sure you stick around for that. And then, of course, we're going to get into the holy crap, did you see that moments for this episode? Although I'm not even sure why, because the whole thing was a holy crap, did you <laughs> see that moment? But yeah. um, we're going to do it anyways. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. It's time to thank some of our new patrons on Patreon. Uh, at the $5 pledge level, we have Hunter Steely. And when you pledge $5, you get to make a special shout out here on the podcast. So Hunter wanted to shout out his own podcast called The Empire Cast, hosted by him and his wife. 
from their website, We Are an Empire, and as such, we will be covering everything from TV shows, movies, books, and video games, to arts and crafts, makeup tutorials, and cooking. Uh, so far, they have covered The Walking Dead comic book, Dexter, and uh, The Hobbit novels. So nice. they're a fairly new podcast. You There's can only find... one Hobbit novel, my friend. Uh, sorry, I know. There were lots of movies, one novel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you can find Hunter's podcast, The Empire Cast, at theempirecast.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Thank you so much, Hunter, for that. Also at the $5 level is William. Now, William, all he wanted to say is that he is a former Kingstonite from Ontario, but now living in Calgary. Thank you so much, William, for your support as well. And we have to send a special thank you to Sean in New York for his extremely generous donation. Sean pledged at a level that has a reward that allows him to choose a movie or TV show for us, you and me, Jason, to watch uh-huh. and review and record a special episode of this podcast about. I'm excited for that. I I, I remember you texting me the other day about that. That's that's freaking awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I chose not to swear this time. <laughs> and swearing up a freaking storm this whole episode, but this time I won't swear. That was freaking awesome. That's right. It's because this is such an important topic. Thank you so much, Sean, for your generous donation. And... Sean has made his choice as to what we're going to watch. I don't think I'm going to reveal it now, but watch for that episode coming up in the near future. It's going to be great. Um, I'll try to give people a hint. Let's give them a hint. Hint it away. All right. It is a show, a TV show that uh, was British that has recently been resurrected on Netflix. And I'll leave it at that. That's probably enough that a lot of people can uh, figure that out. So we're going to watch some of that, record a special episode about that coming up sometime in the near future. It might be tricky to fit it in while we're recording about season uh, seven of The Walking Dead, but we're going to do our best. So thank you to all of our patrons. If you want to become a patron, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead where you can pledge at one of these levels or any of the levels we have it involves a small monthly amount coming our way uh each month and uh, of course we really appreciate everyone who does so and who listens uh but there are different reward levels and you know a shout out is one of them and at the higher levels you can choose a show for us to watch for example and review so that's patreon.com slash the talking dead thanks so much to everyone for your ongoing support okay jason before we get into holy crap did you see that we need to talk about our season seven or also known as 2016-2017 Record Your Favorite Scene Contest. Cool. These contests go in line with the NHL hockey season. Starts in the, <laughs> starts in the fall, rolls over into the new year, ends in the spring. Awesome. The, the fact that that happens to line up with the TV season is, is irrelevant. It has to do with the hockey season. I'm just saying. So here's the deal. If you recall, we've done this twice in the past. What we do is we ask people our listeners to choose a scene from the walking dead it can be any scene from any episode from any season uh we always frame it as your favorite scene but it can really really just be one that you want to record and the idea is to record it yourself or with your friends send it into us and at the end of the year we will choose our favorite and you will win a fantastic prize pack right christmas is coming up 
You know, uh-huh. when you're sitting down for Christmas dinner, take your iPhone out, put it on the table, give everybody a script, and make them read it. That's you perfect. Know, get your family involved. <laughs> it is. You know, we've done this, as I said, twice before, and we've gotten a few that involve more than one people. Sometimes, you know, parents and their kids, sometimes a couple of friends or husband and wife. Um, but we don't get too many that involve actual multiple people. We get many where um, one person does two parts or it's a monologue or something like that. And those are fantastic. But either way, um, you know, record your scene and send it into us. And as the season goes on, we play as many of them as we can on the show. Uh, but but also let us know if you'd rather not have your entry played. That's totally fine, too, if, if you'd just rather send it in and um, be considered. Uh, but we do play most of them because it's so much fun to listen to these, and we really think that everyone gets a kick out of listening to them. So it is fun to play them. Uh, other information, recording quality doesn't matter. It at least doesn't factor into our decision of our favorites because we know that not everyone has, you know, the ability or the equipment to make a really high quality recording. So if you're just recording on your internal microphone on your computer, that's fine. If you're using your voice memo app on your phone, that's fine. Recording quality is not considered when we're when we're listening to these. You can put uh, a soda can on a lathe and then put a needle on that soda can, and then if you yell really loud at that needle, it will record onto that soda can. I don't know if you know that, but it will record on that soda can, and then somehow you have to transfer that audio onto a format that we can actually uh, understand. (laughs) But that kind of level of recording is acceptable. It is. (laughs) If if we can understand what you're saying, and we can recognize the scene that you're doing, uh, it is acceptable. So... Um, we don't know what the grand prize is yet. That will be accumulated over the course of uh, season seven, and we'll let you know as we, we add things to it. We will probably add things to it as the season goes, so we'll let you know. We also don't know exactly what the entry date, uh, the deadline will be for entries. Um, that is because we don't know when season seven ends yet. Uh, but... Generally, what we will do is we will give people about a week after the season ends. That way, if there's something in the season seven finale that you really want to record, you have some time to do that. And then our winner will be chosen maybe a week or two after that, just so we have some time to re-listen to everything, talk, consider, and, and make a choice. So once we know when season seven is wrapping up, then we'll remind everyone when the actual deadline is and uh, if you keep listening you shouldn't miss that of course it'll be on our website as well and so on so that's pretty much how it works because i mentioned this a few weeks ago in a less official capacity we already have a couple of entries for this season oh cool which is great Uh, but i'm going to save those for next week what i'm going to do right now though is play our winner from the last time we did this two years ago and that's georgia in Melbourne, Australia. Here is Georgia, Georgia's winning entry from the last time we did our Record Your Favorite Scene contest for season uh, five, I guess it was. Don't worry, she'll come back. I didn't hurt her brain. No, 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 we have to wait. I need to show you. You'll see, you'll finally get it. We have to wait. I just want us to wait. We can wait. We can wait. You just give me the gun. We can wait, I swear. You and Tyrese should take Judith back. It's not safe. 
for her. But Judith can change too. I was just about to... She can't even walk yet. Yeah, you're right. So you two take Judith back to the house and we'll have lunch. And I'll just... I'll just tie Mika up, you know, just so she won't go anywhere. Who says what she'll do? Mm-hmm. I promise. I'll use her shoelaces. What is it? What is it? Are you mad at me? Is that what you wanted to talk to me about? I'm sorry I pointed my gun at you. I just needed you to wait. I know. I'm sorry. I'm mad at me. I love you, Lizzie. I'm sorry. Please don't be mad at me. I'm sorry. And everything works out the way it's supposed to. Just look at the flowers, Lizzie. Just look at the flowers. I'm sorry. Just look at the flowers. That was our winner from last time, and uh, I think Georgia actually cried while recording that. Yeah. not That's not to say that crying will win it for you this time, but uh, I think she captured all of the emotion in that scene between Carol and Lizzie when Lizzie had to look at the flowers. So uh, there you go. Uh, if you've won this contest before, I'm afraid you can't win again because we do want to give the prize to a someone new this time, but feel free past winners to send in recordings if you want just for fun yeah because fun entries i hope i hope it is fun for everyone so that's our record your favorite scene contest for this year as i said we've got a couple entries already we will play those or some of them uh starting either on wednesday when we do the feedback show or next week we'll see i'll just i'll make a decision tomorrow <laughs> sweet all right here we go holy crap did you see that? That's right. It is time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? Where you guys pick out little moments, quick snippets here and there from the most recent episode that made you stand up and yell, Holy Crap, Did You See That? Whether you're alone or watching with somebody else or uh, whatever the case is, they made you jump up and yell. <laughs> it is the crap <laughs> that you would like to make holy. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, I want to remind everyone when you write into us, if you can, please be a friend and include where you're from, uh, unless you're really concerned about letting us know where you're from. I understand that, but if you, it's great when you do, because it's really fun to hear about, you know, all the different places people listen from. Uh, and sometimes regular people, regular writers, uh, don't do that, which is fine. Um, Often I know where people are from because I've read their stuff before, but sometimes I go back and dig through old emails to see if I can figure it out. But it just makes my life easier if you include it in every message. So right. I'm really just don't going make, for the easy way out. Yeah, don't make Chris stalk you. Just tell us where you're from. Don't make me stalk you. Don't make me do extra work. Come on. Everyone <laughs> knows I'm a lazy sack of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. If you want to say that you're from the general neighborhood of Beetlejuice, that's fine. It's fine. I typically read whatever you write in terms of a location. So there you go. There you go. Our first one here is a call from Sam in Decatur, Georgia. Hey there, Jason and Chris. This is Sam from Decatur, Georgia. Holy crap. I am never 
watching that episode again. Uh, I routinely go back and watch episodes a few times. Uh, I've probably seen every episode of the show five times at least. Uh, some of the earlier seasons, like ten dozen times. But that was so gruesome, so nauseating, and so unsettling that I don't know if I have the stomach to watch it again. All right, thanks, guys. How do you feel about that, Jason? You said this is like one of the best episodes they've ever done. Are you going to watch it again, though, someday? Uh, well, the thing is, uh, I haven't gone back and watched anything yet. Like, I haven't gone back and rewatched season one. I haven't watched season two, three, four, or five. Or I watched an episode a couple of times before we do the podcast, and I haven't gone back. I'm saving that for someday. I will go back and do runs of the show. When the show ends and, uh, you know, once it's a complete body of work, I may go back and rewatch uh, a bunch of stuff, but I've never gone back and rewatched anything. I've watched this episode, like I said, I feel like I watched it three times now, and I'm more desensitized to the violence and the stress level that was there. So I would recommend sitting down, watching it three or four times and getting past that shit. Right. You I, shut that shit down. You're, you're saving <laughs> as in the words of Megan himself. Um, so you're, you're saving the rewatch for when we do a complete rewatch, when this is all said and done. Yes. If we do that kind of thing, if at the end uh, the show is in a state where people actually go, you know what, as a complete body of work, that was okay. Then, you know, you and I will probably go back and, you know, redo season one and look at it, look at it at, from a uh, a perspective of uh, a body of work. Yeah. If at the end everybody's like, man, that turned into such a steaming pile of shit. I'm quitting the show. I'm quitting the podcast. We don't care about you guys. That whole thing, just fuck it. You know, <laughs> then maybe we won't go back and watch, rewatch the episode. Maybe not. Or yeah. maybe I'll just do it for my own personal pleasure. I don't know. Yeah. Why not? We'll see. Um, but I, I can see Sam's point. Sort of being like, that was just so yeah. brutal. I don't want to see that again right away. There are movies out there that I thought were absolutely great that I will never watch again. 127 hours. I like that movie. I'm not going to go back and rewatch it. Interesting. I never saw it, but I, I, it's on my list. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. All right. right up there with Braveheart. <laughs> yeah, never saw that either. Uh, Miles in San Francisco writes, holy crap. I 100% knew the episode was going to end when the camera got that close to Andrew Lincoln's eyes. That's what they do. It, it did that a couple of times, though. Uh, that's true. I sort of knew it was going to end when we'd been watching for 40-something minutes, and it was almost 10 <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was going to end when the little uh, bar at the bottom of the uh, video I was watching uh, was reaching the, uh, the far right of the screen. I shouldn't really say that, though, because I was not... There's the odd episode where I am focused on the clock a little bit. I'm like, oh, well, we're 10 minutes from 10. It's about to be over. It's going to be over soon. This episode, I... I couldn't take my eyes off really. So I was not paying attention to the clock on this one at all. Uh, Dan in Columbus, Ohio wrote, writes, Holy fuck. So intense. I watched this episode at a movie theater and many people were crying after this. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would have been intense, man. If you're going to watch one episode in public, I don't know if this is the one I'd want to choose. I have a hard time with that. I've seen big episodes in public. I watched the f series finale of Star Trek The Next Generations in the Sky Dome with like 10,000 other people. Also known and, as Rogers Center, where the, oh yeah. where well, the Blue Jays at the time, were. it yeah. was the Sky Dome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had fun because of the, uh, the, the atmosphere of the whole thing, but uh, I did not get as much out of the episode as I felt that I should have. And I had to rewatch it later to get the full impact. So I, would, I don't know if I would do that. And this, uh, yeah, it would be pretty brutal to watch in a, uh, in a crowd for it, sure. It would be. I, but I wonder, 
it doesn't sound like for Dan, it took anything away from the experience, but I, I can, I can see how it might, right? Like if there's jackasses there who are heckling the screen or something like that, but it doesn't, it sounds like Dan was with a pretty good crowd. Yes, and it also makes a difference when you're watching it in a group of people in a venue that is set up for watching shit True. and not, you know, the Sky Dome or Roger Center, as it may well be known today, is not really set up for watching TV. It's set, you know? up, it's set up for baseball. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, baseball or maybe a rock concert of some kind. You know, if you want to go see Kim Mitchell, that's a good place to go. If you want to watch TV, you know, maybe not the Sky Dome. <laughs> Kim Mitchell. <laughs> You pulled that one out. Good for He's you, He's still man. around, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He played at the Heritage Classic, I think, on the weekend. All right, good man. Yeah. <laughs> think he could fill the Sky Dome? I don't think so. Ooh, I bet he could. Anyways, <laughs> you're right. It's not set up for TV watching, but it is set up for baseball. Yeah. All right. Uh, Justine in NorCal writes, did you see Eugene? Holy crap, did you see Eugene just sitting there with his hands covering his face? That's exactly how I felt after watching our rock Abraham get knocked down, then seeing sweet Glenn trying to talk with his face bashed in. I usually watch each episode twice the first night, but not this time. Yeah, Eugene was a puddle of a man in this episode. I don't blame the guy. I mean, I I would have been pretty upset too if I'd been kneeling there and watched all that that just happened. I would have just crawled up into the fecal position and, and just passed out. You know, it's fetal, not fecal. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> well, really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Okay. Noop J on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see that end scene? Everyone happy at the dinner table? Negan may have cracked some skulls, but that scene broke my heart. So, so cruel, AMC. I know it's a zombie show and it needs to be dark and shocking, but that stung the most. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Pretty rough. Really rough. It's the future that will never happen. Paul in England writes, holy crap, did you see that Tara was at the table in Rick's happy couple's fantasy scene, but that Denise wasn't? Tara isn't even aware that she's dead yet, and Rick has already mentally split them up. Dick, move. Oh, man, <laughs> I didn't realize that. No, neither did I until Paul wrote in. Poor Denise, she's not there. I mean... She's, got, she's the one with the camera. That's when you see a group of people oh, in a, in a okay, shot good. and you go, oh, somebody's missing. It's like, no, no, she was holding the camera. Okay, good. Fine. She was holding the camera. That makes me feel much better about it, actually. Yeah. She was, uh, you know, hooked up to some kind of wire and slowly going over the table saying, don't look at the camera. Don't look at the camera. <laughs> well, everybody was uh, going, what the hell are you doing, Denise? Jesus. Jeez. I'm being so weird. <laughs> and where'd you get that crane rig? Yeah. Uh, uh, who's next? Jack in rainy England writes, holy crap, did you see how even in the dream tea time sequence, Rosita still didn't end up with Abraham? Talk about tough love. Well, yeah. No, he was with Sasha. Well, of course. Yeah. Sasha might have been pregnant too. Did you see that? Oh, I think, really? She was I pregnant? I think so. I don't know. It's probably a judgment call, but I, I'd like to think of her as pregnant in that shot. Well, they included a lot of little Easter eggs in that shot. Judith was there. If she was pregnant, that's great. That's great. That's good. <laughs> and or horrible, you know? Well, I guess. It's not going to happen, right? <laughs> I mean, okay. she could still be pregnant in that uh, at that time in the future, but I mean, maybe it's Abraham. No, because uh, Judas is so old, it would, you know, and uh, Glenn and Maggie's baby was born. So if she's pregnant now, then she would give birth by the time they had the picnic, 
right? Yes, for sure. So she's pregnant in the picnic. That means she got pregnant in the impossible future, which means it's not Abraham's. She might be pregnant, but uh, you know, it might be Rick's. You've you've thought of, you've thought this through clearly. <laughs> well, because Rick is going to go around impregnating a whole bunch of people. I mean, what else is he going to do now? He's not the leader anymore. He might as well be the man in charge of repopulating yeah. the earth. He's just going to hook up with uh, various people and get them pregnant. Good for him. Uh, Gemma, feeling traumatized in South Wales, writes, My holy crap was, and there are many, Rick hanging onto the walker whose neck started detaching from its head. It was gross, and I honestly thought for a minute, oh my God, they're going to kill Rick Grimes like this. No. Yeah. It was gross, that's for sure. But I've never once thought, I don't think, that Rick Grimes was actually going to die. No, I thought he was going to shimmy up that zombie and climb the chain and get on the uh, the overpass there. But, yeah, I, I thought for a minute he was going to escape, like he was actually going to get away. Um, obviously, that's not what happened, but I did think for a minute he might actually escape Negan and make things worse, <laughs> you know, right? because everyone else would be dead then. Um, Jason in DC writes, holy crap, did you see that moment at the end of the episode? The saviors appeared to leave a perfectly good Jeep SUV at the site of the encounter with Rick and everyone else. I'm not sure why. Well, Negan told them, he said, leave them a truck so they have a vehicle to drive back home with. Well, they're going to leave them a truck so that they can pick up shit or get shit for them because they also left the RV, right? Right. So I guess they could have driven home in the RV, but the truck is useful for gathering supplies and using it to ferry them back and forth to the savior's location. Yeah, it's because when all is, all is said and done, uh, Negan is a benevolent leader that uh, is ultimately a good guy and gives people trucks just like Oprah would if <laughs> Oprah were there. A truck for you and a truck for you. <laughs> That's right. I don't care if you have to pay the taxes on this thing. You get a truck. Everybody gets a truck. Hop in Durango, Colorado writes, holy crap, did you see how they made us think that maybe, just maybe, Rick was finally going to lose his arm. And I did, because I actually thought he was going to lose his arm, too. And then I thought Carl was going to lose his arm, and nobody lost an arm. Nobody loses an arm. Not in this episode. Uh, Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. My holy crap, did you see that moment? Doesn't involve any of the main action. It involves a random background character. In a few shots of the lineup, you get to see the Neganites behind them. One of them had a chainsaw as his weapon. <laughs> right. What a terrible choice. No mobility. And when it's not turned on, it's essentially a heavy, sort of dull sword. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I've never thought of a chainsaw as being a sort of dull sword. <laughs> yeah, because, it, you know, it's not really practical. It's, uh, it's it, the weight is really off. Yeah. You know, if you want to swing it around as a sword, you, you might as well grab onto it by its uh, the pointy end and use it as a club because it would probably work better. It probably would, unless you're Ashley J. Williams and you know how to use a chainsaw. I don't know who that is. Is that a hockey player? Ash from Evil Dead. Come on. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, good. Now, to be (laughs) fair. That's his full name? Ashley J. Williams, yeah. I didn't know that. Ash from Evil Dead. Now, to be fair, he attaches it onto his stump of a hand, so he's a little more, you know, dexterous with it, but still. I think it's an interesting uh, observation by Matt. (laughs) You sure he's not a hockey player? Uh, I'm sure he's not a hockey player. There might have been an Ashley J. Williams at some point, but the one I'm talking about is a deadite killer. Right. Um, Venetia, I hope I've got that right, on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see that sick bastard taking pics of Glenn's body? Looks like that scene in season six where Glenn was looking at those gruesome pics on the wall with some serious foreshadowing for what would eventually happen 
to the character. Hopefully I can be one of these pictures someday. <laughs> That's going to be me in about eight months. <laughs> yeah. Michael in London norm writes, normally I do a jokey holy crap, but this time I don't think a joke is appropriate. So this week is holy crap Glenn's motherfucking eye. I'd seen the picture in the comic, but that was revolting and made me feel nauseous. It was pretty uh, gnarly. But it was true to the source material because I went and looked it up because I had to show my wife what Glenn looked like in the comic. And she's like, that's exactly what we saw on the screen. Yep. It was nasty. I don't think my wife wants to watch this episode. Does she even watch the show at all, really? No, she doesn't really. Yeah, this wouldn't be a good one to start with. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, B-Dell in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Holy crap. Why did Negan let any of them live? Having just rewatched the last season, Rick and the gang murdered at least 30 to 40 of Negan's group. Why on earth would he be okay with that? Then I had an idea. Well, two, actually. 30 to 40 people may have been taxing his resources, and he was willing to lose such a big chunk so he had fewer mouths to feed. The other option is Negan has literally thousands of people under his command, and the loss of that many is inconsequential. But I highly doubt this. More likely, he did take a major hit, but it was one he was okay with. He was okay with it, and, uh, you know, he's going to get his revenge. You know, it's just, you know, I lose a few people here, a few people there. That's the cost of doing business. But, uh, you know, you have to get communities in line or else, you know, if I killed everybody that killed my people, then uh, I wouldn't have any sausages. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. He, he Leaving them alive to bring him stuff and supplies is more valuable than killing them all to make a point. I think. Oh man, I just made myself hungry for bratwurst. <laughs> well, we're almost done here, man. You can go make a sausage <laughs> later. <laughs> All right. Um, Sean in Lyons, New York, or Lyons, New York. Holy fuck, did you see that? My soul just turned black. Wow. So I knew this exact episode was coming, that Negan would kill Abe and Glenn, but damn, they have really done an amazing job of creating a bleak pit of hell for our characters to get stuck in. I think before it's over, we may lose two more. Fuck. I want to see Negan suffer and die terribly. Probably not likely, considering the show seems to be taking all its clues from the comic now. Clues or cues, maybe cues, cues. from the comic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty pretty dark. And uh, I think Scott Gimple likes to stick to the comics, so we might be seeing. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll play out exactly like it does in the comic, and you'll have no idea what's coming, Jason. I have no idea. Something but a lion. I'm not sure. Something. That's right. <laughs> One of the episodes this season should be called "Something About a Lion." That's right. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Travis in Ozark, Missouri, writes, "Holy crap!" I can't believe Daryl got Glenn killed. Scott Gimple must have been tired of seeing all the If Daryl Dies We Riot t-shirts. I bet AMC is already printing the If Daryl Dies, we're okay with it because it's Glenn, it's his fault Glenn died t-shirts. Oh, it could be. I'd buy one of those t-shirts. So look, this is something we did not talk about, Jason. It's kind of Daryl's fault that Glenn got killed. He jumped up, he caused a scene, he punched Negan in the face, and that's when Negan decided to shut that shit down and club Glenn to death. Yep. So is there any fallout from this? Is is Daryl going to have to wrestle with this knowledge for the rest of his life that it's his that is his fault? Is Maggie going to be super pissed? Like, how's this going to play out? 
I I only think it'll play out emotionally for Daryl. I think he'll uh, he'll bury that down as part of his uh, dark brooding uh, backstory, and uh, I don't think anybody will blame him because you know you can't blame somebody for like you can't blame uh, Daryl for getting Glenn killed because Negan killed him. You can't blame somebody for getting murdered. Right? Oh, but come on! I I know like. I know that what what is that uh, coincidence is not causality, but this is barely a coincidence. Daryl, well, it's not a coincidence. It's just it's it's Negan's fault. It's not Daryl's fault in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, it's Negan that performed the act of murder. You can't blame Daryl for that. Daryl may have instigated it, but it's still the blame lies solely with Negan. Fine, Negan committed the act, but we as human beings tend to see causality that way right and we take responsibility for our actions at least most people do and we we understand when we have made mistakes or when we have done something right made the wrong decision made the right decision and it's pretty hard to see what daryl did as making the right decision especially after negan warned them that another outburst like that would have consequences yeah well i don't think anybody but daryl is going to blame him i think and this is this is a extremely simplistic storytelling um, trope, but I think that Maggie is going to blame him. Daryl's going to have to deal with his shit with Negan for a while, but eventually he's going to come back. He's going to rejoin the group. Maggie is going to blame him, and then he will do something to redeem himself in her eyes, like save the life of their child or save her life or something like that. Or weave her a basket to hold her child. That's right. Uh, as a bassinet kind of thing. Create a blanket and a bassinet and it'll be uh it'll be beautiful and yeah. she'll forgive him. I'll take the child on motorcycle rides for life. <laughs> Free motorcycle rides <laughs> forever. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I I'll be honestly I'll be surprised if they if they do that cuz it is just kind of simplistic, but I wouldn't be surprised to like you said at the very least see Daryl struggle with this decision for years to come. Or maybe have other people struggle with the fact that, you know, he got Glenn killed in a way. So, right. Uh, finally, we have Michael, also in Ozark, Missouri. Apparently, we have a lot of listeners in Ozark, Missouri. Jason, unless this is the same person writing in with different names. I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a podcast, Hot Pocket. <laughs> hot Pocket, eh? Hot Pocket yeah. of podcasting. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, Michael in Ozark, Missouri writes, Holy crap. All the commercials just killed the mood of this episode. Even watching Talking Dead was hard with all the damn commercials. They kill the mood and the anticipation they have built up. I understand they have to make some money, but really, way too many commercials. Commercials suck, but are necessary. Uh, I suppose they're necessary, and if you don't... We had like a commercial them, in the middle of the podcast. That's true. We don't do one every 10 minutes, though. That would be annoying. No, that would be annoying. <laughs> but you know what? Every episode especially finales and uh, premieres, people complain about the commercials. What they tend to do is they backload them. So you you don't get commercials in the first half of the episode or very few, and then they put extra at the end or they bulk them up at the end. Um, what it does is it sucks you in, and then you have to stay to the end. So in, in England or Great Britain, don't they do it differently? They have a, a show and then like 10 minutes of commercials between episodes? They do they do that in some places. Uh, I don't know exactly if they do that in, in the UK, but uh, I know in some places in Europe I've been they do that. And 
maybe not anymore. I don't know. Maybe they're adopting more North American style, but that was a thing for a while, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it makes sense from a, an enjoyment point of view where you just get your solid television and then you get a block of commercials. But that's a great way for people to ignore commercials, it right? It doesn't make it's sense. Like, oh, 10 minutes, I can go take a dump. <laughs> you know, you can't do that if you're watching television on a, uh, on a Thursday night. No, it, it doesn't make sense from a marketing perspective, but from an, a TV enjoyment perspective. It's very consumer friendly. Yes. Uh, but not advertiser friendly. So big shocker. They do it in Europe and not in North America. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, that's uh, that's all the holy craps for now. And Jason, because we're back covering the main Walking Dead show, we'll be back on Wednesday with a feedback show. Well, mostly, mostly you might not because you'd be taking care of your baby. I'll be in Atlanta. I'm going to record that with my wife, Christina. So if you enjoyed hearing her on the podcast, you're going to get another chance to do that, which is wait. when do you leave, which is great. We leave on Wednesday. Wow. So we're going to get there. And have a nice dinner, record a podcast, and uh, go to bed, get up on Thursday, and drive to Sonoy. Nice. Got the whole thing planned out. Oh, you taking your kids? Nope, just the two of us. You're getting rid of your kids, getting eh? Rid of the them kids. off on the old parents? Yeah, the grandparents are looking after them for a couple nice. of days, and then somebody else for a couple of days. Uh, it's the longest trip we've ever gone on without the kids since, well, ever. I was going to say Fancy. since they were born, but that's sort of obvious. Yeah. (laughs) So almost 10 years. Nice. All right. That will be fun again. Don't forget that on this coming Saturday, uh, October 29th at Walker Stalker Con, you can come and meet us at our listener meetup, which is in conjunction with Jason and Karen from the Walking Dead cast. That's going to be 7.30 p.m. on Saturday, October 29th at the Latitudes Bistro and Bar in the Omni Hotel in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. So that will be fun. And uh, as I said, we're going to be back on Wednesday with a feedback episode. So if you want to send in some feedback, you can do so by visiting our website and clicking send voicemail. Uh, You can record a voicemail right into your computer. You can also use your phone to, you know, record yourself on your phone, which is also a good way to enter the contest, record your favorite scene contest. Um, But if email is your thing, then just send emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And those are all the ways to contact us. So Jason, I don't imagine we're going to get another episode as brutal as this one for a long time. Oh God, I hope not. Yeah. If they keep this up every week, it's, it's just going to destroy us. So yeah, uh, give me some action, uh, you know, give me something, but uh, the brutality just you know, dial it back just for an episode. Give me a break. A full-on comedy episode next week. That'll make us oh, all yeah. feel good. Rom-com. Yeah, for sure. Total zom next week. All right. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, record your favorite scene contest. Record those things. Get them into us. And uh, looking forward to hearing all of those. And there you go. Hopefully I'll see some of you next weekend at Walker Stalker Con. So until then, everybody, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.